That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. Why do some people break through and make an impact while others get stuck going through the motions? In every organization, there are impact players, those invaluable colleagues who can be counted on in critical situations and who consistently receive high-profile assignments and new opportunities. Whether they are center stage or behind the scenes, managers know who these top players are, understand their worth, and want more of them on their team. While their impact is obvious, it's not always clear what actually makes these professionals different from their peers. Today on the show, we have Impact Players author and researcher Liz Weisman here to explain what the most influential players are doing differently, how small and seemingly insignificant differences in how we think and act can make an enormous impact, and why, with a little coaching, this mindset is available to everyone who wants to contribute at their highest level. Lastly, if you want to make an impact for our show, which we hope you do, please do us a favor and screenshot your podcast player right now with this episode playing, and then share it on Instagram and tag at Career Contessa, and we will reshare it. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. So I recently asked the members of Career Camp, which is our 12-month accountability program that enrolls every January, what they wanted to focus on right now. And what was interesting is creating value or becoming invaluable at work, becoming that impact player was by far the most popular response, which was interesting because I thought maybe it would be job searching or something else. But anyway, Liz Wiseman, you are the pro when it comes to talking about impact players. So welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be here. And I love that that is the focus for so many people that like, how do we show up and create value? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I think also what's happening is I think whenever there's uncertainty in the career landscape or hiring landscape, people want to get even it's even more important that they become crystal clear about what is valuable at work or what's important at work. And so sometimes I think people just want to scream like, just tell me what you want from me. So I think it's good that this topic is important, but also I could see it being like incredibly important right now. But before we get into that, can you share with everybody a little bit about your background and why you are this pro when it comes to things like creating value at work? Oh, goodness. Well, I, you know, I have to admit, I, I'm one of these people who really like work. Like, <laughs> yeah. You me, like corporate work, work too, right? Yeah, I did. I worked in the corporate world. So I I went to work for Oracle right out of an MBA program. So I, I know nothing. And I joined this company. I think, 
I'll get a couple years of experience here and then I'll go back to grad school. I've had this whole plan to get a PhD. And I found out I really liked the corporate world and I really liked Oracle in particular. Not that I had worked in dozens of companies, but I had worked at you know, a couple other places and in internships, but I loved Oracle because it was the closest thing I could see to a meritocracy where if you jumped in and you created value and you did important work and you did it well, you just kept getting opportunity after opportunity. So I got to spend 17 years there where I never once had a job that I was qualified for other than perhaps <laughs> my very first job. And it was in some ways, it was my career aspiration is just don't take a job you're qualified for. Mm. And, and so Oracle was this great place. I worked with brilliant people and I could see the damage that really brilliant people did on their teams. And from there, I, I left the corporate world and went out and did some executive coaching, which led to some research about that, which led to my first book, Multipliers, and then a second, then a third, then a fourth book. And that's what I do. Research, write, teach, repeat is kind yeah. of my work. I love that. I always joke that like my dream job is to be the college professor. And though I, I said that to someone the other day and she's like, I don't know if you know what's really involved with that. But I, to your point, I really like the idea of like researching something, learning about it, reporting on it, which luckily as an author, you get to do that, I guess, without all the politics of academia. So being a freelance professor is a good gig. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it is. I, yeah, I know. It's like, somebody call me. Okay. So I want to talk about the difference between being indispensable and invaluable at work, because these are two terms that I think people hear used a lot at work and they think they're both really good things, but I want you to explain why it's actually not always the best thing to be indispensable. Yeah, I think we should be cautious about being indispensable. And in times when the economy is like maybe contracting or where there's layoffs looming and there's sort of that specter of uncertainty or uncertainty, it's easy to say, well, I have to make myself indispensable. And, and the way I think of indispensable means that the organization can't live without you. Yeah. That like you are critical. You are needed for this job. We can't function without you, which has some real downsides. For example, you know, if, if the organization can't do things without you, you're a bottleneck. Yeah. And constantly overworked. You can't move up in the organization because you're needed where you are. There's not necessarily a bench. In some ways, being indispensable means there's not a bench behind right. you. Not a bench there's no one to come in behind you to support you. You're not part of a team. You are and the you one. you stuck inside organizations and you burn out. You don't get to take a whole lot of vacation. And it's really easy to end up becoming sort of this go-to person, this expert, you can become what I call a diminisher to your team. So I think there's some real downsides to being indispensable, but there's a cousin to that, which is being invaluable. Yes. Being invaluable means you're doing work of value. You're creating value, which means it's not that the organization can't live without you. It's that the organization wouldn't want to lose you, meaning that they're going to build the organization around you. You're part of the future of the organization, which means you have a reputation for not only being good at what you do, but potentially being good at anything you do there, which means you can move up, you can move out, you can expand your influence. 
Right. This makes me think of the people at work who can kind of shift between teams and projects and they catch on really quickly or they figure out what do I not know and what do I need to learn? Like they're the people can kind of like learn on the go versus the person who is really good, like the busybody person where it's like you are really good at busy work. You are really good. Maybe it's not maybe that's not the right term busy work, but you're really good at doing this thing and I know you're going to get it done. And maybe no one else knows how to do that thing because you've kind of come up with your own system for it. But this person, I can trust them to go to a whole bunch of different places and like be successful in all those different places. Is that like another way of thinking about it? It is. And there's another shorthand I'll I'll offer for this when we talked to managers. And so the essence of the research I did studying impact players is we went to 170 managers and asked them to identify two contributors on their team one of whom was a rock solid contributor, smart, capable, hardworking, and who was doing a fine job. And the other was someone who was smart, capable, hardworking, who was making an extraordinary impact. Of course, we called them the impact players. And what we found is among a number of dimensions, the ordinary contributors, they, they were smart, talented, hardworking. They did their jobs and they did their jobs well, but the impact players did the job that needed to be done which is an entirely different mindset rather than, well, these are my responsibilities. Like don't step in my turf. Yeah. Don't expect me to step out of my turf. Like this is my spot in the world. I do it well. I own it. Yeah. You know, doing the job that needs to be done means we are eyes up. We're paying attention to what is happening around us. We're kind of the, the, the imagery I get around doing the job that is needed is one of like a heat seeking missile or projectile. It's like, I am looking for what is hot. Yeah. Issues, hot projects, hot topics, like where I can come in and do a hot take. Like I'm looking for heat and then I am going to go work where there's heat. Yeah. How do you, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, how do you find the heat at work? Like, how do you know what's the hot topic or the hot thing? Well, you pay attention to what's happening in the air. You are looking at, okay, what are our, formal priorities and goals and objectives. But, you know, 17 years in the corporate world, one of the things I learned is that the stated priorities are rarely the real priorities. That's a bummer. And and it's not that someone's trying to, you know, do a switcheroo on you. It's that the world moves fast. And when the world moves fast, like the thing you wrote down. Yeah, totally. And you distributed is no longer relevant. It's like, okay, we have a new flight plan here. We just didn't announce the new flight plan, but we're moving fast and we're pivoting and adapting. And that rarely gets written down when times are uncertain. Right. And we don't write it down because we're moving fast, but we also think, well, wait a minute, this is going to change next week. So why codify this? That's what we have to pay attention to. And, And so what you watch for is like, what are your senior leaders talking about? What gets Mm -hmm. in the earnings call for the company? What gets mentioned in staff meetings? What are issues that are not on the agenda, but are constantly being talked about? Right. What are people's hot buttons, hot issues? The, you know, there's, my daughter was telling me that she did something where she works at a, a medical lab and, and she noticed that her boss, the director of this academic medical lab just kept mentioning this thing about, oh, I don't know why we aren't using VR technology when we do the blood draws. Yeah. It wasn't my daughter's job to do that. She just noticed that her boss was kind of like shaking her head, like, oh, it frustrates me that we aren't doing this. And so daughter, Amanda, just like, well, I bet she wants somebody to go do that. And 
how about me? Like I should do that. And she did it. And it was like, wow, like that's the thing that needed to get done, but she didn't have time to delegate it. That's what it looks like to just be paying attention to what's happening around you. Is being invaluable at work so first of all, it's paying attention to what are the the hot topics and going toward those topics. But what if like your daughter, her job wasn't VR, right? But it was, I'm going to go and do this thing, even though it's not part of my job. Is being invaluable kind of like going above and beyond or volunteering for the things people aren't asking for? Because the only thing I'm thinking about is like, I could see also invaluable leading to burnout if this becomes something where it's like you've got your job, but then you're you're trying to do these other things on top of that. Have you found that to happen? Well, it, there's a real danger in that happening. And I'm so glad, Laura, that you brought this up because it's a chance for us to talk about the difference between just working harder yeah. and creating impact. Yes. So yes, there is a danger, which is like, let me just take on a bunch of stuff. Now, we found in our study that the impact players weren't necessarily, they were hardworking. It wasn't a particularly lazy bunch of people. Right, right. But the hard work wasn't any more than the norm. It's that they were working on things that mattered most. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's two kind of, two of the five practices. Let me put them together. One was to do the job that's needed. The, another one was to make work light. We found that they were just, easy to work with, fun to work with. They they made work easier. They didn't complicate things. They just, you know, it's the kind of person where a, a, a 10 minute discussion doesn't take two hours. It takes yeah. eight minutes. I know exactly. Like I can picture in my head kind of the characteristics you're talking about. And that's a good example. Or like the person you tell them wants to do something, you don't have to follow up with them five times or double check to make sure they get it done because they just do it. Or the person who, I don't want to make it sound like they're overly accommodating, but you talk to them about it and they're like, yeah, I get this. I, I'll got, I'll do it. Versus like making it the molehill into a mountain. Like that's what you kind of mean by easy to work with. They or like they're very mountains. good communicators. <laughs> All of these things. They take yes. mountains and they turn them into molehills. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, I can get this done, which there's a danger in there being taken for granted. You know, we found to the point where they're just people who get it done. Yeah. NASA has a term for this. They call it fire and forget. And it's not fire people and forget about them. It's certain people are fire and forget people, meaning you can fire off a request and you just, you can forget about it because you know it's as good as I love that. Yeah. When's the last time you ran a full biometrics report on yourself? If you're anything like me, it's probably been a while. Day to day, we may feel sluggish or tired, not even realize that something inside of us is off. Normally, we just brush it off and power through our workday. However, there are so many benefits to regular blood testing for health optimization. You don't have to be complacent. That's why I'm excited to share our sponsor, Inside Tracker. To live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things you can take control of to optimize your health. Things like food, supplements, workouts, and lifestyle choices, including ways to optimize sleep and stress. Inside Tracker tests and provides optimal ranges for over 40 biomarkers, things like magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a very strict science-backed approach to everything they do. 
If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And if you're still not sure, I literally went through the process myself. I had a mobile blood draw come right to my house, take my blood, and then within just a few days, I had an easy-to-read biometric report with suggestions on how I can improve different markers. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up at insidetracker.com/contessa. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with some science bag recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash Contessa. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we'd love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. So I want to get to this like idea of burnout when I've spent, oh, the last decade studying burnout from several different angles. One is what leaders do that cause people to feel drained and exhausted and what we do to ourselves that causes draining and exhausting kinds of work experience. And what we find is that burnout typically has less to do with the amount of work we're doing. You know, we don't burn out because we have too much work. We tend to burn out because we're having too little impact. Mm. And, you know, if I've learned anything studying Oh, some of the best leaders and the worst leaders is that people come to work every day wanting to contribute fully and wholly. Like they want to make a big contribution. They want their ideas to be heard. They want to do work that matters. They want to make a difference. And when leaders create an environment where people can contribute 100% of their intelligence and talent, they describe that experience as, and, and I've asked thousands of people this, they describe that experience as just a little bit exhausting, but totally exhilarating. Yeah. I know that feeling too. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling, right? When yeah. you're like, oh man, oh, I got a lot done today, but man, I feel great. And yes. we take that energy home to our roommates, our spouses, our children. And we're just like, boom. Yeah. Mama had a good work day. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, totally. You you're like, I'm on fire today. <laughs> I'm on fire. You know, yeah. it's like, woohoo. Mm-hmm. What do we make it for dinner? It's this like, yeah. great <laughs> feeling. And then it's similar. Like when people like get stuck just doing their job, that is exhausting, but yet doing work that's making a difference tends to be exhilarating. But all that is to say, it's not about raising your hand and say, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll take that. It's saying of my available work hours, how do I point myself towards the most valuable work? And it's not forsaking one's job. It's not like, well, I don't feel like doing my job. I'm going to go off and do the glory work. Yeah, It's being rangy about our job. Like, oh, okay, well, I don't need to make that part harder than it has to be. And I'm going to use my energy and do these things that seem like, oh, that's really been bugging my boss. Wow, this is an issue for our customer. Let me point myself there. Yeah. 
And I know like, for example, we'll get asked the question a lot about like setting boundaries and how do you say no? And one of the pieces of advice is like, you know, before you take on one more thing, like let's say your boss comes to you with one more thing, you would say, you know, here are the other three priorities I'm working on, which of these is the most important. And so you kind of aren't to your point, just always working harder and adding more and more to your plate. You're, you're trying to get your boss to also communicate to you, oh, which of these priorities that you're working on really is the most important thing. Do you give people the advice when they're trying to make sure they're working on these impactful projects or having impact at work? Do you have any scripts or examples of things you might say to a boss to sort of be able to narrow down that work? Because I could see this being kind of the biggest challenge for people. To your point, they're probably happy to do the work. They just really are struggling with like, well, how do I do the impactful work? And then how do I not get in that trap of like, well, now I'm just working harder and I'm doing more. Yeah. I, you know, there's a person that I always channel when I get myself in this situation. It's a former boss of mine. His name is Phil Wilson. It was probably, it was just an amazing boss. He had been the head of HR for Steve Jobs and for Larry Ellison. Wow, that's good. So those have been his two CEO bosses. So can you just imagine the ridiculous requests that he got? Hey, can we do this? And they might go to him and say something like, hey, you know what? I want to like fire this whole team. Like, you know, I hate their products. Their products suck. Let's just get rid of the whole team. What he learned to do is always respond with yes. Yes, we can do that. And here are the consequences of doing that. Well, of course we can fire that whole team. But you'll probably spend, I don't know, 40% of your time in a legal process over the next year. Oh, yeah, no, we definitely don't want to do that. And so he practiced this yes and. I, like and that. I think it's it's the same thing. It's like, yes, I would love to work on that. And if I do that, what I'm going to find is I'm going to have to compromise one of these things. Now, what I probably wouldn't do is say, which of these priorities should I drop? I would take charge of that myself. And I would say, yes, I would love to work on that. What that means is that I'm going to have to put these other things on the back burner. I recommend like this. I I would probably own which of those things I was going to let slip and then get validation on that, which is it's part of being easy to work with. You know, it's sort of in a nutshell, what we found is that the impact players were self-managing. Yes. Which you think, wait a minute, that's my boss's job. And now I've got to do my job and my boss's job. Like there are incredible, incredible advantages to being self-managing. It makes you extraordinarily valuable, which means your manager doesn't have to micromanage you. They don't have to spend a lot of time following up, checking in, helping you figure out what's important. It's their ticket out of micromanagement and allows them to be a good leader. And it's your ticket out of being micromanaged. Mm -hmm. It allows you to self-direct, which creates huge amounts of time rebate an emotional rebate where you're now like in charge of your own work. Yeah. And like people leave you alone a little bit. People leave you alone on the right things. It allows you to spend your energy on what's most important, which means you're working on issues that get attention, funding, a visibility, kudos, feedback, like you're working kind of in this slipstream of what's important. And it's your ticket into leadership because you are seen as a leader. And so when you step into leadership roles, whether they be permanent or sort of the temporary in and out kinds of leadership roles that we all do, like you already come with credibility. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love this because I feel like this is what a lot of people are trying to do is they're, they're trying to be an impact player and they're struggling with the, maybe the the understanding of what is an impact player or how do I become the impact player? And I think you're outlining this very, very clearly, which I think is incredible. I do want to go over your principles. So you, you say, you know, that most influential players or people, they do some things differently. What are the five practices of influential impact players, creating value, whatever we want to use the term, we'll we'll call them impact players for this. But what are those practices? Mm. Lauren, before I go into the five, can I just step back from it and tell you like what's fundamentally different is what we found is that they respond to these five situations very differently. And these situations are everything to do with ambiguity and uncertainty. So fundamentally what impact players are doing differently is they manage uncertainty differently than others or others tend to pull away from it the impact players of the workplace tend to move toward it. Mm. So the first difference is how they deal with messy problems. And that is, you know, the ordinary contributor does their job while the impact player does the job that needs to be done. You know, those messy problems there where they're not clear owners. Yeah. The second difference is unclear roles where it's clear the team, you know, needs collaborators, but it's not entirely clear, like who's in charge. Who's in charge of the initiative or who's in charge of just the next 60 minutes of a meeting. And in those situations, the ordinary contributors are waiting for direction. They're waiting for role clarification. They're waiting for an invitation to lead. Whereas the impact players just, they step up and they lead. They invite themselves into leadership roles, but they they step back with the same energy that they step up. So they step up and lead, but then they step back and follow others. They have this very fluid form of leadership. The third difference is how they deal with unforeseen obstacles. You know, while others are escalating up those issues that are out of their control, too big for them, above their pay grade, beyond their sphere of influence, the impact players just hold on. They finish that job and they don't do it alone. It's not like I'm going to finish and suffer. It's instead of handing it off to my boss or my boss's boss, I'm going to get my boss or my boss's boss working for me. Yeah. Which is what you get when you hold on to it, which is like, okay, we've got a big problem, a pandemic of this, like something big is preventing us from making progress. And the reward you get for holding on is that you say, okay, here's what I need from you. Like, will you place a call to that person? Will you open up the funding on this? Will you do a quick turnaround on the approval? And if you do those things, then I can keep moving. And I just think there's incredible dignity in staying in charge of our work rather than handing it off to like, oh, I got to bump this one to you, boss. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of mismessaging around that too with burnout and the pandemic. And I don't know, I see a lot of stuff on Instagram or TikTok and I'm like, yeah, but that's the problem with a seven seconds worth of advice. You're missing a lot of the context around like people will say something like you shouldn't do work that you're not being paid to do. And and then, so I could see like a pushback on this sort of for the impact player is that and it's like, but the reward here is that you're self-managed. You are in the driver's seat of your career. And, you know, so again, like the, the context of this, I also think is very important. It's not that you're asking people to do work they're not being paid for or is above their pay grade. It's sort of like, finishing what you started because it helps you take control of your career. And you already mentioned this, but like you're self-managing and you are directing where you go. And there's a lot of power in owning that, which ultimately feels very good. You can actually lower your feelings of burnout and feel more in control of your career, which are all these 
these good things that we're trying to get to. So I'm really happy you brought that up. Well, and what you're talking about fundamentally is control. Yes, exactly. And I think people do their best work when they are in control. Yes. Mm-hmm. And bad managers usurp control yes. from you. They they want to be in control, but good managers put you in charge and they let you stay in charge of your work. And there's incredible benefits to maintaining control. Yeah. In some yes. ways, I want to urge people to be control freaks, not controlling others, but just staying in control of their work. And, you know, Lauren, the other thing that you said I thought was really interesting, it, like it's the, the rewards that come from being invaluable and being impactful. It's at minimum that you keep your job, you know, yeah. in of economic uncertainty, but it's also the kind of job that you get. You get a job where you can self-direct and you can be in charge. It's also the value of that job to your bank account. Maybe you're going to get paid a lot more money by, by self-managing and doing impactful work. I, you know, instead of saying uh, people shouldn't do work, they're not paid for, I would say, wait a minute, what happens when you do work that's valuable? Like you yeah. get paid more. Now that is obviously, there are people who are in workplaces that will be taken yes. advantage of. And I understand that. But then I think the highest reward is the value that comes to your own like soul. Like it's fulfilling. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, how do you want to show up feel when you go to work each day, fulfilled, engaged, or just miserable, right? <laughs> right. And it, it's, it, it feels good to be the boss of you. And, you know, we think that sometimes to be your own boss, you have to be self-employed, but I think almost anyone can be their own boss. If you've listened to the podcast before, then you've probably heard me talk about our next amazing sponsor, the Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business. We have talked at length on this podcast about how important it is to invest in your own continued education, whatever that may look like. I truly believe that every single person's career can be boosted through an investment in learning. Here's why I'm excited to talk about the Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business. First off, they share the same mentality when it comes to education. Scheller's goal is to help their students feel empowered in their careers. They are committed to helping their students achieve their dreams, no matter their background, work experience, or future goals. Through a business education at Scheller, women will gain infinite opportunities to grow and transform both personally and professionally while learning from the brightest minds at the intersection of business and technology. Scheller offers full-time, evening, and executive MBA programs that are consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. Scheller is located in the heart of Atlanta's Tech Square, an area with the highest density of startups, corporate innovators, and researchers in the southeastern U.S. This means you'll be able to take advantage of prime career networking opportunities, which, by the way, we've also spoken about this, but networking is the number one way to find job opportunities. Scheller's MBA career services are ranked top five in the world five years running. In fact, their class of 2022 graduates had a 100% employment rate. And women are leaders in the Scheller community and have many opportunities to build their leadership through student-led clubs, committees, events, and leadership development programs. Scheller offers many scholarships for women as well, making an investment in you and your MBA accessible. Visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Scheller's MBA programs. That's gtmbawomen.com. Have you ever found yourself desperately Googling random symptoms like head hurts, pain inside, weird feeling in ankle, and before you know it, you've stumbled down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts? I'm ashamed to say that I've been there. 
But there are better ways to get the answers that you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not just random people you find on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience that you want. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. You can filter specialists. It's super easy to navigate. I've used their app and website. It's great. When you're not feeling your best and are just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all of your energy. Between managing your symptoms and your work schedule while you're out sick, you have enough annoying things to deal with while you're sick. Waiting on the phone for hours trying to find a free doctor's appointment shouldn't be one of them. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com Contessa and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within just 24 hours. That's zocdoccom slash Contessa. ZocDoc.com slash Contessa. As someone who I think relates a lot to that, actually, when I became self-employed, it was very challenging for me. It, w- it was a huge learning curve because I think I was like you. I, I really liked the corporate structure. I liked being able to create value and do those things. So I actually think, and I say this a lot on Career Contessa, like you can actually be fulfilled and still work for somebody else. And and I think that that sometimes people like look at me with these you know, faces like, what? What are you talking about? I have to be my own boss. It's like, no, but there is that piece of it is that you have to be in control of your career. And sometimes you feel less in control when you are an entrepreneur or when you are the sole person, solopreneur, whatever it is. So that was a big challenge for me, for sure. Oh, I mean, I'm definitely the worst boss I ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Self-employed. And even when you work for the man, so to speak, to use a very old kind of phraseology, it's like, you can still be in charge of the way you work. And I remember this one meeting. I'm not sure I recommend anyone else does it, but I'm going to share this just for the, the concept of it is, you know, I had been working very closely with Oracle's president and, you know, in and out of his office on a weekly basis. I'm running education for the company and a new chief of staff comes in to work for the president. And this man sits me down and kind of, he'd come out of the military and he explains to me, that how he's going to run is everything that goes to the president will go through him. So if I want to meet with the president, I need to meet with him and he'll then brief the president. He explains this whole thing. And I look at him and he's probably 20 years older than me. He's older. He's male, you know, I'm female. And he's explained like, I'm like the go-to person. Everything you do, you know, for the president is through me. And I just looked at him and I'm like, well, I appreciate that, but I have no intention of working that way. And, and he's like, what? And I'm like, no, that's just not how I'm going to work. Like I work with whoever I need to, to get my job done and I'm never going to waste someone's time. But if I need to meet with the CEO or the president or the front desk man, like I will schedule a meeting with them. And I said, I will always include you, but I'm not going to go through you. And his mouth kind of hangs open a little bit. And then we proceeded to work that way. Just the exact way that I do. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm no, that's not a good system. Yeah. That will slow us down. That will confuse things. You know, Ray President, trust me. I use this time well. Like, I think it's a an example of like, no, I I'm going to be the boss of me, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. 
Okay, we're about to wrap up. So I do want to just recap. You have these five practices. So a, a few of them we've talked about, which is the first practice that influential people is while others do their job, impact players figure out the real job to be done. I think another one we've already talked about was while others wait for direction, impact players set up and lead while others escalate problems, impact players move things across the finish line. We definitely talked about that, like the whole it's not my job kind of mentality. And then while others attempt to minimize change, impact players are learning and adapting to change. And then the last one was while others add to the load, the impact players make heavy demands feel lighter. And I think that is is a huge piece of this. And I I, I want us to just wrap up by you sharing some coaching tips that will help us get in this mindset and really contribute to our highest levels. You know, for the person who's maybe listening to this and they're like, I totally subscribe to what we're talking about mindset shift wise. Maybe I've got a little bit of a gap that I need to fill there. What are some coaching tips you would leave someone? I mean, you're an executive coach to help them really go from that work harder to that work smarter mentality. Let me offer three on practice one, three, and five. We'll go with the odds here. If you you know do the job that needs to be done, one way to think about that is just think about getting onto the agenda. And I don't mean onto the agenda of a meeting. I mean, in every organization, there's an agenda. The agenda is here's what's important. So make sure you understand the agenda, what's important right now. And we talked about some ways to do that. And then to get onto the agenda, let me give a very simple technique. There was someone who had, Oh, I don't know, attended an early version of the workshop. And he he realized, wow, I'm not on the agenda. He was a worship leader for a large church. And he's like hardworking, talented. But he told me every week he would send a, an email to the senior pastor and it would go ignored. And he's like, I don't think I'm on his agenda. Yeah. And I said, okay, I want you to do one thing differently. And I encourage anyone listening to try this. Anyone who feels like somehow my work is not being seen and valued. He sent this weekly email. I asked him to do two things. Number one, describe for your boss what you understand to be the most important work of the organization right now. And then number two, describe what you're doing about that. That's it. Like, hey, you know what? What I understand is it's important for us to win back these three customers. Here's what I'm doing to make that happen. He did this and he comes back. He's like blown away. He's like, wow, my emails got returned with a response and encouragement and validation and coaching and appreciation. Because it's saying, it's like, I understand what's important to you, boss, client, stakeholder, teammate, and I've made it important to me. Boom, now you're in alignment. Yep, I love that. That's one thing. Number three, this idea of finish stronger rather than escalate issues, just decide to never need a reminder. Yeah, write it down, find a system that works for you. We don't care. Yeah. And I asked all these bosses, like, what do people do that make you crazy? High up on the list, top three, they make me chase them down and remind them to do things that we agreed to just like develop this performance guarantee. If you hand it to me, it gets done. Or I come to you and tell you what I need from you for me to get this done. And once that happens, you're now in the realm of self-managing, self-leading, you're deputized. And in terms of you know, make work light, be low maintenance, but make sure you're visible. And I want to share, particularly given the group that listened to this podcast, it's so easy to be someone who is helpful and easy to work with and have your work be taken for granted. And I would encourage anyone who does work in the background, support work, anything that's just not on the main stage of the organization to think like a good waiter and 
you know, serve, support, do your work in the background, but remind your client, remind the diner every now and then what you're doing for them. Oh, I put a rush order in this to make sure you get to the theater on time. Oh, we, you know, we've comped this. Oh, I brought an extra plate so you can split that dessert. They're very gently saying, here's what I am doing to make your experience valuable. They're making their value seen and known. And often they do that like in proximity to giving you the the bill before you decide their tip. So like if you work in the background, yes, lighten the load for others, be easy to work with, but remind people of the value that you're contributing so that you don't get relegated to the background. I like that. I think that's a good metaphor and, and like a visual for all of us because we probably have all experienced that person who is the waiter who like, for example, we have a toddler who will like be like, oh, I brought you this thing one extra, you know, just to make sure like she has that or, hey, we took everything off the table because we know toddlers love to like grab everything and throw it off anyway. It's, you know, little things like that, that you appreciate so much. I think that's such a good visual to leave people with. Liz, where can people learn more about you and your books and follow your work? Well, probably the one-stop shop might be the wisemangroup.com. And it's the Wiseman Group, not Wiseman Group, because the Wiseman Group is a fabulous interior design firm. <laughs> I guarantee you has a way better website <laughs> products. But anyway, that's where you'll find a little bit about me, my team. And I think there's links to all the books. Yeah, I'll link to all the books also in the show notes. The one we are talking a lot about today, it just so everyone knows is Impact Players. So we will link to that. But thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. I love this conversation. And I want to have you back on because I feel like there were a lot more things we could have talked about. <laughs> well, thank you for the conversation and the work you're doing, helping people be invaluable in their careers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review our show. Another way that you can support our show, which I mentioned at the top, is take a screenshot of your podcast player playing this episode and then share it on Instagram. Tag us at Career Contessa and we will reshare it and probably send you a DM. Thank you very much because it really helps and supports our show. The other thing I want to mention again is that we put all the links to Liz's website and her book, Impact Players, in the show notes. And if you were interested when I talked about Career Camp at the top of the show, which is our 12-month accountability program, it only opens every January. It's a one-year program. But if you want to learn more about the program when it does open again, the best thing to do is to make sure that you are signed up for our weekly newsletter, which I also link to in the show notes. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.